Blue collar people are some of the grittiest, toughest, bravest human beings on the planet. Every building, bridge, and road was built on the backs of their hard work. Every piece of raw material was mined by their calloused hands. They manufacture our goods and transport them around the world. We see that strong outer shell, but there's more to every person than meets the eye. In this podcast, blue-collar business leaders tell their stories of courage and victory over crushing defeats. That's only possible because of a mental and emotional fortitude and a willingness to ask for help. It's our mission to bring hope to those of us who are strong on the outside, but may be living a life of quiet desperation on the inside. We'll do that by working together to tell the truth about the challenges we face and what it really takes to break through them. All right. Well, um, I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I get to be the guest host today on your podcast. Um, and maybe actually that would be a great place to start to just tell us a little bit about what is the podcast about? Yeah, totally. So this is the Tragedy to Triumph podcast, uh, where blue-collar business leaders are going to tell their triumphant stories of courage and victory over crushing defeats. Um, my theory is that uh, blue-collar doesn't have a, um, uh, a real muscle, let's say, around vulnerability. Uh, you know, one of the one of the passions of mine behind the projects that we're working on and the programs that we're putting out there into the world is that uh, the construction industry has the highest rate of suicide than any other industry. There's also a very high drug and alcohol addiction rate, and and it's gotten me thinking about the work that we do really making an impact on those statistics. Uh, and I think it, it, it has to do with worker well-being. And um, uh, part of that is the, the willingness to be vulnerable so that we were willing to say the things that we need to say that, uh, that we need to clear out so that we can forgive ourselves and, and kind of move on and have access to power and um, access to possibility, right? So... Uh, today, I'm going to be sharing my story to kind of kick us off, and the rest of the interviews on this podcast are going to be other blue-collar leaders sharing their stories so that we make it easier and more safe for blue-collar workers to do the same, so we can get people the experience of life and of work that they really deserve. Mm. Yeah, I love that, and I loved, you know, from the first time that you started sharing this with me about... Um, you know, I, I also hear it kind of as like a celebration of the of the greatness and what is unique and special about, um, you know, blue collar workers, blue collar businesses, blue collar business leaders. Um, and I, I was kind of inspired by it because, you know, I, I have a white collar job, um, although lately I'm getting to, you know, express that other part of me, you know, by by doing some farming and, and some other stuff. And I've I've done some hard work in my life. But, you know, one of the things that's been neat as um, I've learned, you know, being a homeowner and like, uh, you know, just doing house projects and, you know, seeing my stepdad who is a, you know, been in the union as a sheet metal worker for 30 years, um, you know, he, he does really cool work, like really special work, like really amazing things. Um, 
and seeing, you know, carpenters and mechanics and like all the trades. Um, it got me really excited about your podcast because I think that in today's society, we, we kind of take those things for granted and it's very undervalued, like that every day they go and make something. Um, and I think that that is really, really special. And so it sounds like kind of the, the part of the podcast really like celebrating that and how do we, how do we really value ourselves and our work and our gifts and, you know, both create success um, and provide for our families, but also to do that in a way that we really um, enjoy our life and get fulfillment too. Is that, is that how you have it? Exactly spot on. You know, the blue collar people are building the world around us. You know, every time we go outside, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't go very far without passing a work site, you know, a job site. Uh, every building that we walk into and, and our homes, right? We, we exist in a world that has been built by the artistic and creativity of these people. So this is to honor them and to, to give back in such a way that helps them live happier, more fulfilling lives so that they can continue doing what they're doing uh, but also that they actually, like you said, get to be celebrated and honored and uh, respected at the level that I think they really deserve. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, um, you know, one of the things I think is gonna be really cool. So I, I know today we're kind of want to talk to your story. And I think we're going to get to how you got here later. But um, I would love to just get a little tease. I mean, it's kind of crazy because you're a life coach, um, which is kind of hilarious. Like when we're going from this conversation about blue collar jobs, blue collar leaders and business leaders to then a life coach. And I, I guess just at a high level, like how did that happen? Like how, what's the connection between, you know, you being a coach and why you're interested in blue collar business leaders and why they would want to hear from a life coach. Oh yeah. Well, first of all, just to, just to kick us off here, the first time I heard life coach, my eyes rolled all the way to the back of my head and I was like, <laughs> what the hell is that? And why would I ever talk to one of those people? Is somebody going to tell me how to live my life? Like that's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. Uh, so just to put that out there and, and put it into perspective a little bit that, you know, this is a conversation I think is much needed out in the world, but it's also, you know, it's not weird that people hear that term and they, they don't know what it means and, and they don't know why they would avail themselves of, of a service like that. Um, but for me, I mean, look, I've, when I was growing up as a kid, I knew I wanted three things. I wanted to be uh, I wanted to have a wife, I wanted to have kids, and I wanted to own my own business. I've always been really entrepreneurial. Um, you know, I was that kid who had his mom go to the whole food, you know, the wholesale store to get uh, the bulk candy, and I would take it to school and sell it to all of my friends, right? So I was always looking for a way to make money and, and you know, kind of add value to my life in that way. And um, so... Anyway, these are the three things I always knew I wanted. And uh, in retrospect, it probably wasn't the smartest thing to do to launch all three of those ventures right after high school. But nonetheless, I did. I, I married my high school sweetheart three months after we graduated high school. And um, 
you know, we, we had our first child, uh, uh, about a year later. Um, and, um, you know, we were, we were also very spiritual people. We were very heavy into our faith and, and we figured that, um, if God wanted us to have kids, we would have kids. Right. And of course, two 18 year olds who thought it wasn't the right thing to do to, to wear protection, uh, we, we started having kids and we started having them quick. Uh, and before you know, it, we had three, but, uh, the, the bottom line is like, I always knew I wanted to, to have my own business. Right. And, and I went out into the world and, and I, and I did so I told my parents, I didn't want to go to college. Uh, I was actually hanging out with a group of friends of mine that, uh, we, we had some really great ideas that we wanted to launch and get off the ground. And my idea was I'll go and I'll learn the flooring trade from my brother-in-law and have that be the thing that funds these other ideas that we had. So I went to, uh, went to start working for a, um, you know, uh, uh, one of the, uh, tile installers as a helper and learned to trade, learn the trade and ended up going out there on my own. Yeah. So, so, so it sounds like we're kind of launching into the story here and I, I just want to just pull one thing out real quick and then I, I think we can start back on, um, that journey. So, and just as kind of a tease for everybody, you know, I'm guessing at no, almost no point in your life, did you think it was predictable that you would become you know, what we're calling, we're kind of joking about being a life coach. I mean, really you work with, you know, blue collar business leaders and business owners, um, and talk about really how do they, how are they most effective in business as a leader in their work? Um, you know, as a family man, right? So it's not just about, uh, you know, we kind of joke a little bit with the term life coach, but fair to say, wouldn't have been predictable that that's where you would have ended up. And I think that today we're kind of talking about like, how in the heck did you get where you are? Um, why is this important to you? And how do you think you can help, you know, how can your story help other uh, blue collar businesses and business leaders? Is that, is that right? That's exactly right. Yes. Nice. So, uh, so you mentioned, so we'll get back to the coaching thing uh, later on, but um, tell me about, you know, you mentioned as a kid, you were, you were really entrepreneurial, like kind of from the beginning. Um, and it sounds like you got to kind of the end of high school and you were ready to start life and kind of choosing to go, um, start life rather than start college. So tell me like, how did you get there? What was that? What was that moment about? Mm, yeah. Um, well, I had all, like I said, I was, uh, I was working with this group of people and we had all these ideas and really wanted to get them out into the world. And, uh, so I went and I talked to my parents about it who traditionally and through their upbringing were people who went to college and got a degree and, and they thought that was the right thing to do. Uh, and I told them I didn't want to do that. I thought that I was, I was ready to get out there into the, into the workforce and uh, that I would learn everything that I needed to learn along the way. And it was that moment when they, they kind of took away any support that they had available for me to, to send me to, to college, any financial support, because that's what they thought the right thing to do was. So at that moment, I was pretty determined to go out there and figure it all out on my own. And yeah. uh, I was that, kind that, of a little arrogant thinking that I didn't need anything from anybody, but uh, you know, here I was. Well, I think it's such an important like decision point, you know, and I think that um, I don't know if you have this experience, but I notice sometimes that there's sort of like a, 
uh, a bit of an apology, like, like there's something wrong if you didn't go to college or you're, you know, it means something about us. Um, and I, I just, you know, I really appreciate that. It's like, it's pretty clear. Like at a young age, you were like, I know what I want to do and that's not the path I want to take. And really, it must've taken a lot of courage to kind of step into that and really move toward, um, what was important to you. Yeah, it, it, it really did. Uh, you know, and in looking back for sure. And, you know, my parents were super scared about it. You know, the, this is not the, the typical path. Um, and I think from their fear, they, they tried to stop it. You know, they tried anything that they could to convince me otherwise. And, um, I just wasn't having it. Like I, I, I was really intentional about what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be. And, uh, and how I wanted to do it. And, and I just stepped out there on a leap of faith and did my thing. Yeah. Wow. So, so there you are. Uh, so I assume you were about 18 and you graduate high school. Yep. Um, and it sounds like are you, you're dating your high school sweetheart at the time? Yeah. And we, not, <laughs> we were dating and had already decided by, I don't know, maybe a, a, a few weeks after graduating that we intended to get married. And you know, the, the parents didn't really dig that idea either. Got it. Got it. And so, um, so you, you graduate high school and kind of what, what happened in those first few years after high school? Yeah. So, um, I was already like a guy who knew what he wanted, like we just mentioned, and, and was really getting after it. And, you know, I had a lot of confidence in myself. I think it was a little on the arrogant side. Uh, you know, I don't know if anybody else could resonate with this, but as, a, but as an 18-year-old, I, I figured I knew everything I needed to know, and I had it all handled and everything like that. But then, like we just talked about, when my parents decided they didn't want to support my vision because of not going to college, then I really knew I was going to go out there and do it my, on my own, you know, to really prove myself that I, I didn't need it. I didn't need any support from anybody. Uh, I could really just go and figure it out on my own. So I went out to work, uh, like I said, for, uh, for my brother-in-law, learn the flooring trade. And uh, after after about a year, I was good enough to get my own tools and my own truck and go out and do it on my own and ended up building it up over time to where we had a couple of other crews working for us and, and everything too. Uh, so after um, just a year or two, like, you know, some people stay in the trade, but you were like, I'm going to do my own thing already. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, I think, I think that's a lot to do with my personality and to, to be honest with you, you know, I, I, I credit my brother-in-law a lot with that too. He was, he was really supportive of the idea. Obviously he was a blue collar business owner and um, you know, we saw potential in me and, and really kind of championed that for me too. So I'm super grateful for, for that experience also. Hmm. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, and then, so you're starting the tiling business um, and then you're, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you're kind of two 18 year old kids putting it in God's hands and God gave you, it sounds like, uh, kids. And so what's the, what, what happened there? Like you, you get married, I assume, and have babies and what, what was that like? So you're, you're doing all this together. It sounds like. Yeah. So we, we had decided early on that, uh, that I was going to be the one to go out there and do the work and, and sell the work and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and my wife, Tara, was going to 
help on the back end and do the books and and hold it down in the house, you know, take care of the family and uh, the kids and and all of that part. And and that was much needed. And it's just, it's, I guess it sounds pretty old school, but that's what we wanted at that time. And it, it really worked for us. So, you know, we move forward and, and, and that's what life was like for us. Nice. And so how old were you when you got married and when did the first kid come along? 18 years old. That was back in 1998, you know, August of, uh, 1998, we, uh, we got married, uh, 18 when we had Joshua, our firstborn son, uh, Tara had been Tara had turned 19 a couple of months before and I was still 18 years old for another week before my uh you know when my when my firstborn son was uh came along. Wow. So if you didn't have any motivation then you just got supercharged motivation. Oh yeah. Ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous motivation. Now it's like, you know, this is the this was the thing that I wanted to do and now it was kind of like I I felt like I had to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're starting the tiling business and then, um, how did the business go? Like, uh, was it successful or like, what was the kind of pinnacle of that, you know, getting into that business? Cause I'm assuming you're not in that business now, given that you're now coaching and, and running a podcast. Yeah. So that's where, that's where the real fun started in life. I, uh, you know, again, I, my idea was I need to hold it all down myself and now I've got kids, so I've got to do it. Right. And, um, I also had these other projects that I wanted to be working on too. And, uh, I just couldn't cut it after a while. You know, it, um, the business was doing good, but it wasn't doing as well as we needed it to do to live the lifestyle that we wanted to live and also invest in these other ideas. Right. So, uh, ultimately what happened is, um, I couldn't pay the bills one month and the electric bill got shut off by the local electric company because obviously I couldn't pay it. At this time, my son, my firstborn son was uh, around a year old and it was the winter time. So it was cold in the house and now it's dark and he's on the floor playing with his toys. And I kind of looked around and said, this is never going to happen again. Like I'm never going to let this happen again. So I picked up the phone and did the only thing that I could think of to do when I actually started selling weed. Yeah. So, you know, I can really hear that too. And, you know, I, I heard a couple of things that I just want to highlight there. You know, one is, which I think is, you know, uh, a classic struggle for a lot of people, especially men. And I might even argue um, particularly like really prideful men, you know, yeah. which, you know, I know a lot of the trades people, a lot of the blue collar people that I know, they really, pr there's a lot of pride. Um, and oh, sometimes yeah. our pride can get in the way, right? Like, cause we're like, we're going to do it all on our own. We're going to do it all by ourselves. And I think there's a lot of gift in that and that resilience and that, um, that work ethic, you know, something I certainly value. Um, but it can also really put a ton of pressure on ourselves. Right. And I, I can really hear like, you know, in that moment where, you know, you had a new business. Cash flow is always a thing in a new business, right? Yeah. And uh, I can just, um, I could just, you know, brought tears to my eyes, you know, just feeling um, the pressure of that moment, you know, seeing your one-year-old there and being, how old were you then? 
Uh, I was 19 for sure at that point. I don't exactly know when that moment was. Yeah. I know it was right around when he was a year old. So I was yeah. either like 19 going on 20 or just after 20. Yeah. So 19 years old, 19, 20 years old, you know, running a business, new dad and cash flow, money prep. I mean, it's like pressure from every angle. Not to mention, and, I don't know about how it was for you when you were uh, married with, you know, with a one-year-old, but like for us, when we had a one-year-old, it was pretty stressful too in, in our relationship too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There, there was relationship challenges and this whole thing about me telling, telling my parents, oh, I'm not going to do what you said I should do. You know, the quote, right thing to do for, for them and for most other people in the world, um, traditionally speaking, right? Uh, I'm going to do it my way. And I can, and I will, and nobody can tell me anything. And, and here I am feeling like I failed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I hear, you know, as you, it seems like is natural for you is like, kind of always have an entrepreneurial mind. Um, you're like, how can I, what, what, how can I expand revenue? Um, and what's, what's an opportunity that I can go into. And so it sounds like you were uh, apparently 25 years ahead of your time. Cause now you could have been in the legal marijuana business. So, so you start, you start selling weed to generate more income. So take us on that ride. What, tell us about that. Oh yeah. So, um, at first it started, it started out like I, I just wanted to make a couple hundred extra bucks a month to pay the electrical bill. Right. But me being, as you said, sort of the entrepreneurial guy that I am, it, it spiraled into somewhat of an empire over the next few years. You know, I, I saw an opportunity. I, I'm, I, I'm a very hard worker. Like, I'm, I, you know, it feels weird talking about it in this way because this thing that I was doing was illegal, right? But I, I saw it working and, and you know, I like to, like to kind of use the, the uh the fire analogy, like I started this little fire, right? This, this income stream coming in and my automatic kind of go-to is to throw gasoline on the fire. Uh, and every opportunity that I saw to do that, I would. And, and mind you, I'm building the tile business at the same time. So that's, that's increasing and growing and expanding and more revenue is coming in there too. And now I'm making this other you know, side money and, and life is starting to get really good. And we're, uh, you know, my, my kids are two years apart. So when this started, uh, my youngest was about a year old, like I said, and then a year later we had his sister. And then two years after that, we had our third kid and, um, no pressure, no yeah, pressure right. to yeah, no, enter no, any more money. Exactly. Exactly. So every time something like, I, I remember when, uh, when Tara told me she was pregnant with Michael, our third, uh, our, our third child. And I, I, I literally laid down on this recliner chair that we had and went to sleep. I was like, I got to take a nap. Like, I don't even want to think about this right now. Like, you know, and it, uh, we were still young at that point. It was, so I was, you know, 19 ish, then 21 and I'm 23 years old and I got three kids. Uh, but we had two been businesses. doing, yeah, and two businesses and, and all the headaches that come along. Dude, I would, I would wake up in the morning uh, and leave the house before anybody got up. I'd go to the job site. I'd crush work all day. Uh, my phone is blowing up in my pocket all day long with people wanting to, you know, meet me to, to buy some weed later on. 
I would come home, you know, I'd drop off my, my helper and I'd come home, I'd take a shower, I'd eat something and I'd go back out there and get back to work. And I'd be out there for, you know, a couple hours into the evening, few hours into the evening. Sometimes I'd come home and everybody was asleep again. Um, and that was my life, man, for, for probably, I don't know, seven years, eight years. Um, but, uh, the, what happened is, you know, it originally was to make a couple hundred bucks a month. And then over the course of those years, it turned into a, a somewhat of an empire. You know, I ended up selling tons of weed over the course of that eight year period. Yeah. So, um, can you talk about the empire? Like, like, what are we talking about? Like revenue wise? And like, did you have other people or like, what, like, did you have an organization, a team going or well, how's it going? That's kind of how these things work, you know, to, to, to jump around just a little bit, you know, when, when, when that ended up stopping, uh, I w- had to figure out how to make money again. And, and I've, I kind of dibble dabbled in some network marketing, direct selling type of opportunities. And I was pumped because I'm like, oh, this is this is like legal drug dealing. Like I can sell people vitamins and, uh, you know, health health shakes and stuff like that and, and build a team. And, and it's the same thing. But but yeah, it's like it's like networking. You know, you, you build a network and, you know, all of a sudden you, what happened was I was a wholesaler. You know, I would I would buy wholesale and I would I had, you know, this kind of little army of maybe 20 or 30 people that came to me for their little wholesale buy or whatever. And, and that was, that was how it went. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, uh, it just kind of grew and blew up from there. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny. I mean, that you talk about it as a network marketing, cause you know, when you think about kind of the essential currency there is trust, right? Yeah. Um, and it must've been weird too, like as, as it became legal, you know, because, you know, oh, dude, I think we, I we so grew pissed. up, yeah, well, <laughs> I think we grew up around the same, you know, we're, we're around the same age, you know, like kind of growing up in the eighties and nineties and like, you know, uh, I remember like my first, you know, my first experience with like marijuana was like, you know, the Reagan administration and dare. And it's like, you know, marijuana and like heroin were the same thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And to now, like, it must be so weird to see it today where it's like, you know, like Silicon Valley entrepreneurs talk about it. It's not even a thing. It's like, it's like healthier than drinking alcohol. Yeah. It's the, it's the weirdest thing ever to me. You know, like I said a second ago, first of all, I was super pissed. I was like, wait a second, like a few years later after, after, you know, and we haven't gotten to that point of the story yet, but just to, you know, say like after this, this whole experience literally ruined my life, there are, you know, like you said, these Silicon Valley type entrepreneurs blowing up and having these, these amazing lifestyle businesses around marijuana. And I'm like, what the heck? Like I, you know, <laughs> you were ahead I, of your time. I was ahead of my time. Yeah. You know, some, timing some, is everything, right? Yeah. Some, some would say that some would, uh, maybe disagree, but, uh, you know, here we are. Yeah. So at the height of your, um, so at the height, you're at the marijuana, like the weed business is going, you got an empire, which I didn't realize it was that big. Like that's legit, man. Build a 20 to 30 person organization. Um, and you're doing the tile business. Um, and like, just to give us, if you, if you can, like, just to give us a sense of like, like what kind of revenue were you bringing in? Like how big were these businesses? Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was easily 
clearing somewhere between three and 400 grand a year between the two, between the two businesses. And I, you know, I was in my, I was in my twenties, you know, I was in my mid twenties with all this. And, you know, I mean, you think about it now and I mean, that's, it's a significant amount of money. I mean, it's not, it's not a ton of money, but like, you know, you can live a pretty damn good life on 300 grand a year. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you're making three to 400,000 a year. You run working your tail off. It sounds like, Mm -hmm. um, the kids, you got three kids now. Yep. Um, and then what happened? Yeah. So really there's only, there's only a few different options of what can happen when something like that is, uh, is going on, right. You know, you can, uh, either you end up getting hurt, you know, or worse killed or something like that, or, or somebody steals everything that you have, or you get arrested. So for me, it was the third option. I, uh, and it was October, 2007, I was 27 years old and my, uh, my door got kicked in by the SWAT team, Hmm. you know, and I actually wasn't even home. Uh, the, uh, the, the, there were three raids on three different houses. One was mine and, and two were these other friends of mine that I was, I was dealing with. And, uh, I was at one of their places. And so they, they kicked in the door. They came in. I I mean, I, I can't remember how many of them was in there, but my, the way that I feel about it was that there were about, uh, 30 red lasers pointed at my chest. I mean, you know, you've seen this on TV. It was, it was the SWAT team. They had those, they had the, like the bulletproof shields and the M16s. And, you know, it was, it was like what you've seen on TV. Uh, I went to jail that night, uh, obviously, and, um, found out the next day that, uh, that they ended up coming into my house too. So they, they came into my house. My kids were there. Um, I'm sure that was traumatizing for them. My wife was there. My, you know, my dogs, our roommates, it, it was, it was a crazy scene. Wow. Wow. So one minute you're, you're, you know, three, $400,000 running two businesses. Um, and also here, like, I can just hear like, it's almost like you're on automatic too. It sounds like working, you know, day and night, um, just trying to provide, you know, and then the next moment, your whole life is changed. Like, what was that like sitting there in jail that night? I mean, oh man, <laughs> you know, it started sitting there, like we're, we're sitting there on the floor and, the uh, you know, cops are ransacking this apartment we were in. And, you know, it was, it was one of those legit moments, man, where my whole life flashed be- before my eyes, you know, and, um, I felt horrible, you know, I, I, I was, you might imagine like my mind was going a million miles a minute. I was, I was trying to figure everything out. What am I going to do? Um, you know, do, do I have enough money hidden somewhere that's going to take care of all of this? You know, am I going to lose everything? And, and I, I, you know, I felt like the, the biggest failure in the world. I, and, um, you know, I, I go to part of the story about me not knowing that the police actually came into my house was I go to jail that night and, you know, you get your, you get your one phone call and I couldn't get in touch with anybody. Nobody answered the phone and I, I didn't know where anybody was at and, and come to find out that was because they were, you know, going through a similar experience over there. Uh, so 
uh, yeah, it was, it was horrible. I was, I was scared to death. Um, you know, I had maybe, you know, I had gotten arrested before when I was like a teenager or whatever for, uh, you know, driving around with some weed in my car or whatever. And, um, you know, my parents came and picked me up a couple hours later. Um, it's a little bit different when you spend the night in jail and you have to legit get booked and, you know, you know, take all your clothes off and, and put on, you know, the, 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 the freaking orange jumpsuit and like literally go into a jail cell for the night. Uh, and I was, I was blessed cause, uh, you know, the, uh, my friend who we got arrested together, uh, he was able to get in touch with, with, um, his mother who came and bailed us out. And, you know, obviously I had to pay him back for that and everything, but, um, uh, I did get out, uh, you know, the next morning and, and had to like figure out how I was going to clean up this big ass mess. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a man, I can feel the weight of that. Cause uh, I'm like, you know, here you are kind of, you know, from a young age, kind of trying to run away from failing, you know, from uh, not, not failing. Right. And then yeah. kind of like, boom, like all falls apart in an instant. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, the connection that I just hear and what, what I'm kind of really excited about to get to the next part is just like, you know, for, I, I think that that, you know, for a blue collar business leader, blue collar business owner, um, and, and workers, you know, like, and for men, you know, in a lot of ways, which tend, you know, often also tend to be in these jobs, like a lot of it's like about, you know, just avoiding failing, you know, and, and I feel like that that can really eat at us, you know, when we feel like, you know, any next move, like we can fail or we can lose or be, um, risk everything, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I'm guessing that this, you know, there's kind of two ways you go here. You know, you said there was like three ways you go if you are dealing and I'm guessing there's a few ways that you could go if you get busted. Yep. Um, so what way did you go? Yeah. I mean, you know, basically, you know, this, it cost me everything, right? Like I, I, I think I had maybe, I don't know, 30 grand or something like that stashed somewhere that, uh, that I had access to because everything that was in my house got taken. You know, I had inventory in the house that got taken that equates to cash obviously. And I had a bunch more cash in my house that got taken. So I had nothing except for this $30,000. Now that might sound like a pretty decent amount of money, but you know, you have, you own a home, you, you know, you have a family of, of five and uh, you know, that money is going to get eaten up really, really quick. So, and you have I, zero income overnight, zero income. Yeah. Cause yeah. Uh, the other, the other thing about this and, and people in the, in the, in the trades and in blue collar spaces can, can understand this. Like a lot of the, a lot of the subcontracting work that we had was through big box stores like Home Depot. And in order to be able to go and, and, uh, subcontract and go into people's homes, you have to be able to pass a background check. Uh, not me. I can't do that anymore. You know, I'm a, I, so I ended up having a, I ended up, I'm a convicted felon. I'm a, I have a felony conviction. And by the way, I didn't get, I didn't have my, my trial till a year later. So a whole year goes by and not only am I trying to figure out how to make money again, 
uh, I also have the weight of this, uh, this trial and this thought about what is going to happen to me, um, uh, in my mind for a whole year. It was, it was horrible. It was the, it was the scared, most scared I've ever been, the most anxious and stressed out I've ever been. Um, but what I, what I did was I went and tried to figure it all out. Right. And, and use that cash to, to pay the bills until I figured it out. And, uh, as I mentioned before, we kind of bounced around between a different couple of different network marketing companies and, um, ended up, uh, having a falling out with, um, with our, uh, um, with our roommates, the people who we own this house with, because everything was screwed up, you know, everything, everything was up in arms. Um, so we ended up moving out and, um, ended up losing that house. Uh, and I had to move my wife and three kids into my mother's basement. So not only did I have this perceived kind of epic failure happen, now I'm, now I had to move my, my family of five into my mom's house. And it was like, it it was the worst thing that ever happened to me at the time. You know, I felt, uh, you know, I felt like a loser. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is totally aside, but a uh, question when you get busted and you get a bunch of inventory taken, like, do you have to pay for that? Like you have to pay back? Like, how does that work? Or, or have you already paid for it and you just lose out? I had paid for for that okay. personally, but I can, I can promise you that if it were, if it were the other way around, yeah, somebody would have had to pay for that. I got you. Okay. All right. All right. So at that that time we had, you know, we had built it up to where, you know, everything was paid for up front and um, yeah, I mean, things were moving at that time. So. Gotcha. I'm guessing that's how you get in trouble is, uh, you know, take some on credit and then, you know, you don't pay. So. Oh yeah. Well there, and there was lots of that happening too over the years, but you know, I always, I always, ended up paying, thank goodness, you know, but you know, I mean, people who have gone through this experience, I mean, like I, dude, I, I got, I got, uh, um, 20 grand stole from me one day, <laughs> you know, and you have to bounce back from that. Uh, what do you, you can't just quit, you know? So at that point, and you can't you have, call the cops, right? You can't exactly. There's nothing to do, you know, and I'm not a, I'm uh, thankfully I'm not, you know, one of those people who went and did anything about stuff like that violently uh, or else I'd, you know, probably still be in jail right now. But, um, uh, but yeah, you, you, you deal with that kind of stuff as it comes up. Yeah. Well, it's really cool, man. So, so, um, so, so there you are. I mean, you're kind of motivated, determined to, you know, go this path out of high school. Um, and if that wasn't enough pressure on your own, just being 18, cause that, that's hard enough. Um, looking back on it now, it's kind of hard actually. Yeah. Um, but then you get married and within a short time you have three kids. Um, and so, you know, to meet that responsibility, cause you really wanted to have a family you know, be married, provide for them and create a business, uh, you know, find yourself in the tile business and the weed business. Um, and you're doing really well providing for the family. You're, you're getting there even though you're working like crazy. And then all of that is taken away in an instant and you're in your mom's basement with your family of five. Um, and then it sounds like you had a trial a year later. So then did you end up what ended up having from the trial? Yeah. So I ended up doing a little bit of jail time and, um, you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't anything too bad. And, uh, then I, 
Uh, I actually only, it was, it was, uh, it was kind of epic, man. I had like, it was my first offense. Uh, I had a family. Um, Tara was at my trial and she's crying to the judge and stuff like that. I had all these letters of recommendation written for me from everybody I could think of who, who loved me in the world. Um, and there was also this other benefit that my, my co-defendant actually ran. So he, he wasn't around. Uh, so I ended up getting let off pretty easily. I only had to do 30 days. And because of uh, all of that stuff that I just mentioned, I was able to do it on the weekends. You know, the judge said, you know, he realized, he recognized that I had a, I had a family to take care of. Um, and of course, it, there, there was three years probation that had to go with this. I mean, everything that I had was taken away from me. I, you know, I had to pay all of these fees and, you know, all of this stuff. And, um, uh, and you know, ended up having to do these uh, 15 weekends in jail, which is also another crazy thing, you know, get uh, dropped off at jail at 6 p.m. On, on Friday and you have to go and be admitted and go through the booking process and all that stuff. And then, you know, all day Saturday and all day Sunday, I was on this, uh, you know, um, county dump truck. Uh, out on the, you know, I was one of those guys on the side of the road picking up trash all day for for the weekend, yeah. and then you, you know, you go back in into into jail and you, you're released at 6 p.m. on Sunday. Hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, it's interesting, you know. I I I hear a couple things that you know. One is thank God, and I wish that um, more people got that sort of um, you know understanding because it sounds like you got enough punishment, you know, like losing everything you know, living in your mom's basement, um, all the cost of it, all the weighing of the trial, you know, and to be, to have that kind of support, you know, I'm just cognizant too of kind of the times that we're in right now and kind of all the social injustice and racial injustice. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful and I wish that our system kind of, you know, treated everyone similarly, you know, like, um, because not everybody get, got out, you know, in that way. And that was enough. Like that was what you needed, right. To, to turn around it more would have been more detrimental. It sounds like. Yeah, totally. And I totally agree. Like, I, I wish it was like that for, for everybody too. And I, you know, I thank God indeed, you know, and, 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 you know, that's a whole nother conversation to have, right. Like I'm a, you know, I'm, I also happen to, you know, be, a uh a, a white guy you know what i mean and and that's that's maybe something that had to had to do with it too and you know i i i have friends that i know that uh that didn't get off so easy yeah 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 and i think that you know i think that part of the point i, I want to make with that too is it's just like I, I i think this sense of undervalued you know and i think this really relates to our conversation about the trades and blue collar workers you know like um, always as valued and, you know, don't always, you, you know, get that leg up. Um, but it sounds like from this experience, um, it sounds like it taught you some things and it sounds like you kind of, you know, move through all those problems. You learn through that process, like over those, you know, the probation and the jail time and the having everything taken away. Oh man. Um, man, the, the the coolest part of this is that when it happened, it felt like the worst thing that had ever happened to me, right? 
but in retrospect, I, I feel like it's the, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, it kind of thrust me on this journey of personal growth and development and, and really caused a lot of transformation in my life, you know? Um, but I think that, um, you know, some of the things that I learned was that I can't do it on my own. Like nobody, nobody in the, in nobody in the world, I believe of any noteworthy success got there on their own. You know, we talk about this concept of self-made, but really it's a myth, you know, nobody's really self-made. Everybody's got this network of support around them. You know, um, the other thing is that vulnerability is actually a strength, not a weakness. You know, this is, this is the whole point of this podcast is the whole point of telling this story and all the other stories that we're going to tell in the future after this. Uh, you know, I, I got to learn that, you know, we've talked a lot about my fear and a lot about the, you know, the pride and the, you know, going for avoiding failure instead of going for, you know, a future vision, which is another thing that I'll talk about in a second. But, um, you know, I learned that being vulnerable about all those things and, and being willing to admit that they, there were some, you know, shortcomings, uh, was what really got me to the place where I could work those things out. You know, I got access to forgiveness and access to support and, um, I'm so grateful for all that experience. And then, you know, I, I, instead of, instead of running away from something, I I learned to really create uh, a vision for what I want to have and to, to, to get the support that I need to create the actions I need to take and, and everything that I need to get there. Yeah. It's so cool. You know, it's, it's almost like, I can't wait to get to the, to the next part because it's like, you know, I can almost hear like, you know, um, and forgive me if this sounds derogatory toward you, but it's almost like, you know, you like push the envelope on all these kind of traits that people do, like hard work, being invincible and, and not vulnerable, not getting any support, being prideful, you know, focusing on the money part and accomplishment yep. part. Um, and then you got like, you know, for most people, they kind of like, you know, they have like, like slow failures or like there's slow impacts. You got like epic failure, you know, yeah, like totally. epic setback brought straight to your knees. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of cool. Cause like you, you didn't, in a way it's like, you didn't really have the option to avoid the bankruptcy of the way that you were going about it. Definitely not which I think is really a really cool blessing. You know, it's really, it's what's gotten me here where I am right now today in my life. Right. And, and I think the coolest thing about this is that, you know, you pointed to, um, you know, kind of making money, the most important thing and going for making a lot of money. And, and I tell you, even the several years after I lost everything, that's what it was still about. I had to get back to where I was, you know, in order to, to feel okay about myself. Um, but, the coolest part of this story for me is that I, I had to go through all of this hardship and I can use this story to put out there so that other people don't have to experience the same thing. And that now my vision is more towards making a difference for the greatest number of people, people who are like me, people who are blue collar you know, men and women who, 
go through some of the same, you know, struggles and, and perceptions of themselves in the world that I did. And, and I can really use this as an opportunity to make a difference for them. And I think other leaders can too. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about like, how did you pick up the pieces? Um, how did you pick up the pieces? Like, w- yeah. tell us the rest of the story. How, how did you get to here? Yeah. So again, lowest point of my life, I'm thinking I just screwed everything up. Um, I'm the, I'm the worst person in the world. You know, I'm, I held myself responsible for, for all these four other lives, you know, and, and my, my number one goal was to, uh, allow, you know, support them to have the best life possible. Um, so I was really, really depressed, um, called myself every horrible name you could think of, um, thought I was the biggest loser in the world. Um, I even had, you know, suicidal thoughts. Uh, multiple times over those years. And, you know, it was just, it was a horrible, horrible time. But um, what I did was uh, I, you know, maybe that's where the, the, the super prideful thing helped a little bit because I was so determined to uh, get back on my feet and I just read everything I could get my hands on. You know, I was, you know, taking it back to right after high school. I thought I knew everything I needed to know. Um, obviously, I didn't. I learned that I needed to learn some new things, right? So I just started reading everything that I could on, you know, human performance development, leadership, uh, business, um, uh, how to be successful, right? Mm. I started listening to podcasts when they started and listening to speakers and taking training programs and and things of that nature. And um, we ultimately landed on, Tara and I landed on another idea for a business back in 2011. And uh, it was actually a jewelry company. We bought and sold jewelry and, uh, and that worked out pretty well too. And you know, similar deal. Like it was, uh, it was an opportunity for us to build a team and and train and develop a team and help them uh, build sales. And and that was my job. And when I started that company again, um, something that was just ours, not a, you know, network marketing kind of opportunity or whatever. um, I hired a coach. We hired a coach for the first time. And, you know, over the over the course of the couple of years leading up to that, we did have other mentors and advisors and things like that that we talked to 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 learn things and get support and get advice and all that. But this was the first time we actually took money and hired somebody that was you know this life coach. And this is the moment where we talked about before where I was like, life coach, what does that mean? Uh, but you know, this guy was he was good and he was smart and he presented it to me in a way that I could really understand and, and ended up seeing the value in and, and he helped us really, you know, kind of grow this business. And that, uh, tell me, tell me about that. Like why, like really interested in that. Like, so, you know, you're starting this new business, you know, you've had all these trials. Um, sounds like you're doing a lot of reading and, you know, research and like, what, why did you hire that coach? Um, yeah, at that time? Well, you know, I figured, I figured there was, there was work that I could do to really get to the bottom of what was in my way before, you know, these, these things that we were just talking about that were driving me forward that, um, that obviously weren't working. Like there was something there was something that I really got that w- was a part of me that I, that, that I knew didn't work, you know, like it, it, 
and it was still driving me. And there was just something about this person that I, that I saw and I kind of just, I wanted to have a little bit about a little bit of what he had, you know, like a little, uh, more perspective on what would, what would help me grow into the person that I really wanted to be. Got it. Got it. And, uh, so I'm, I'm assuming that you had to make an investment in yourself at that time. Like, um, I don't know. I just can imagine at that time, you know, like being that hustler and like, you know, really smart entrepreneur and like, you know, starting this next business and then like that leap to really invest in yourself and take something on like coaching, you know, like, um, like what was that investment like? And what was your experience? What did you get out of working with a coach then? What I, what I really noticed was this person saw something in me. You know, this person saw something in me that I didn't know was there. You know, they, he, he saw this, this potential or this power that I had that I wasn't clear on yet. And when he started talking to me about that, I got really into that, you know, like I got curious about it and, um, I wanted, and you you probably like, and you probably like most people, like having gone through what you just went through, you know, you're carrying a whole story about yourself, even though you're moving forward, you're like, yeah, but I really failed. And I really was a disappointment there. And it sounds like, I mean, I just, as you heard that, what I heard is it sounds like the way that that person saw you was not that he saw your potential and and who you were and your greatness, not just the other stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So then, you know, I, I, I started to think, well, if I can amplify that, if I can grow that and, and build it up and not only if I could do that for me, but if I could help my wife too, right. Then we're, you know, then, then we're bringing more power to this business. But then even beyond that, I thought about the people that were working with us. You know, we had about, uh, we had somewhere around 15 employees working for us at that time. And I thought, well, if all of these people were able to see themselves the way that this coach sees me and they were able to, uh, um, you know, they were able to see themselves that way and relate to themselves in that way. And like the, the way that they would work would change, you know, the results that they produce would change and they would change for the better, you know? So I saw this opportunity to kind of, translate what this coach was was telling me and doing for me and this work that we were doing together to the rest of our team and and yeah, it just it worked it, it worked really really well wow wow so 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 you go through all this and then you're you start another business and you get that up to 15 employees <laughs> um which is insane like insane um and what so what happened with that business and then kind of what uh, like if we were bringing this into today, like, you know, you start that business and then how do, how do you get from there to, uh, coaching? Yeah. Um, so obviously the work that I was doing with this coach was working really well. It was about a year. Um, and it, it really, it transformed our results in a short amount of time. And that one, that one little year. And when we were getting close to the end of that year, he uh, he said something to me that I wasn't expecting. He he really he kind of acknowledged the the that I had some natural leadership and coaching abilities myself, and and that's really 
what I was doing, I didn't know it at the time, but you know, at the end of this year, I realized that that was really my role in the company. It was to grow and develop this sales team and to, you know, to build them up and to lead them and to, and to coach them so that they could, you know, have a better experience and also produce the results that they wanted to produce. And he suggested to me that I actually go and get formally trained as a coach. And I took him at his word because at this point I'm like, man, dude, you're like, you're helping me out. You know, the results that we're getting are fantastic. Uh, so I'm going to take you at your word. And, and I trusted him. And, and I went and I, I registered for this really rigorous, intense, year-long leadership and coaches training program. Uh, but I didn't have any intention of being a coach. It was really to, to grow my leadership and coaching abilities to, to do better in my company, right? And um, I went through this process and, and at the end of it, uh, I, 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 it dawned on me. I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool. And, you know, I got into the, the opportunity that I saw in being able to go and make a big difference for other people while earning a great living for myself at the same time. So I um, went back to, to Tara, we had a conversation about it and um, we decided it would be okay for me to take a big step away from the company and, and start building this coaching practice. And that was February of 2014 and I never looked back. Wow. Wow. So, so you kind of enter it to develop as a leader and it's, it's really cool. You can kind of start to hear, it's like you were kind of a leader from a very young age, right? Like, you know, I think entrepreneurship and leadership are like completely intertwined. Like they're, they're essentially creative. Right. And, uh, you know, so, you know, at 18, you're like, no, I'm going to go this path. Um, and then you lead and coach, you know, a tile business and, a marijuana business. Um, and then that gets taken away and then you do that again with the gold business or jewelry business. Um, and then here you are again, it sounds like really, you know, now discovering that, Oh, the quality here maybe isn't all the hustle. It's like the leader and the, the ability to kind of, you know, create a vision and move toward it and bring others along. Totally. It's very cool. It is really cool. It lights me up. Like it, um, yeah, it, it lights me up in, in just hearing you say it back in that way. Mm. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so it sounds like you got not only a new career, but, you know, as I talk to you today and as somebody that's kind of bringing this um, podcast to life, it sounds like you've, as you said, it sounds like it was pretty rigorous experience and, and transformation for yourself. Um, so what, why are you bringing this, like, why is it important to you to bring, or what lessons did you learn uh, through this process that you're like, wow, I really need to take that back to and focus on blue collar um, people? Oh, man. Yeah. The... The biggest thing that I got from doing the work was being able to relate to myself as a powerful man, husband, father, leader, and business person again. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just the biggest gift in the world. You know, I got to, I got to actually see myself for who I really am 
and I got my power back, you know, like I, I, I got the, the sense of joy back in my life. And, um, you know, I got that before I became as financially successful as I was back when I was, you know, doing all that hustling. And that was the biggest gift in the world. You know, I was able to have this really cool and impactful, uh, uh, really great experience of life with or without the results, right? So as, as I said, I launched this coaching practice. Tara was still building the, you know, the jewelry company. And um, I got started in this business and my experience was I would just coach anybody I could get my hands on. You know, I wanted to learn the skills, I wanted to practice, I wanted to get the hours for my certification and, and all of those things. And, um, you know, I gravitated towards self-employed people and, uh, you know, small business owners because that's who I've always been. And I coached lots of people in lots of different industries like in IT and uh, financial services and insurance and things like that. Uh, but among these different professionals uh, or professions, I coached a home remodeling company, I coached a roofing company, a commercial cleaning company, a metal fabrication company, a solar company, and uh, a car detailing company, okay? And, um, you know, I noticed that uh, working with those people was, it was like the light of, the light of my life. Like it was the, 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 my favorite part of the week. You know, I show up, you know, people could see me right now. I'm wearing a, um, you know, a, a polo shirt and some shorts and tennis shoes. Right. And, and I was able to show up in, in these, in these places in the, like this detailing company, for instance, they're playing hip hop music in the background. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm at home. These are my people. They speak yeah. my language and I speak theirs. Right. And, um, you know, I was, uh, um, I was actually talking to you. You know this story. Me and me and you were hanging out having a beer one time a, a couple of years ago in uh, in Baltimore City, and um, I was telling you about this experience of this detailing client. And you said to me, "You said, dude, you know you can just go and do that, right? Like you can you can go and replicate that client and and kind of you know keep doing the work that you're doing with these with these blue collar folks." And and I was like, you know what? I totally can, and I'm going to do that. So, you know, so I went out there and I, uh, I started doing it and, um, you know, here we are. Well, you know, I, I it gives just to, to, to reconnect with that experience. And, um, you know, I think it's just so cool and why it's always been inspiring to me. And even when you were talking about, you know, this, this blue collar client that you were working with at the time, and I was just like, you know, I was really present to how, um, you know, blue collar people make stuff, mm. you know, they, they work hard and they're proud about what they do um, and what they make. Right. And, you know, as you were talking about that client, I was just like, you know, you, you so saw and were able to reflect back like the extraordinary value of like what they make and what they do and how important that service is and that, offering that they provide. Um, but I, I, I really hear through your story kind of what you learned and it sounds like what you take to them is that, that their value or their worth is bigger than what they do or make. Absolutely. And kind of seeing all of that. And it sounds like, like, you know, as I hear you talk about, you know, when you're working with a blue collar client, 
you know, it sounds like getting that has an impact in kind of not just how you run a business or how you feel about yourself or how you are as a father, husband, or mother. Um, um, so tell me about that. Like, so getting that connected to their kind of value in a new way or learning that they can get supported, like how does that, what difference does that make for a blue collar person, blue collar business? Well, you know, the, the cool thing about it is that it, um, it creates new possibility. You know, the, the leaders, well, let's start with the, the owner. The owner can actually see something possible that they weren't able to see before. You know, What's they, an example of that? Um, like, for instance, with this, with this detailing company, you know, the, the, the reason this person hired me is because, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the owner was scared because he had a big, he had this big possible uh, contract to, to, to come his way. And um, uh, it would literally transform his business overnight. You know, it would take a, a mostly uh, sort of retail business into, uh, you know, a, a large, you know, larger commercial company, right? Mm. Um, to put it in perspective, he was at about uh, $1.1 million a year in residential sales. So he was, he was crushing it. He was doing really great. That's a million dollars a year on, you know, maybe a $150 average ticket price. Like that's a pretty dope business. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, this contract was a two and a half million dollar a year auction contract which is, it is, you know, triples the business, uh, but it's also like this whole brand new model. It was, it was completely out of his league to, you're a baseball guy. Um, he literally said these words to me. Um, he was like, this feels like I'm being called up to the majors from the minors. And if I screw it up, I'll never get a shot like this again. So, you know, the guy, he's a family man. He wants his business to be successful and he was terrified. And that's a normal occurrence every single day of the week. You know what I mean? I can um, also imagine his voice being like, if I take that on, then I'm going to have to work like five times more in oh, order yeah. to be successful at that. Yeah. To great. Yeah, absolutely. To totally, totally. You know, so he, um, you know, he, he, and he didn't know what there was. So, this so so pertinent to this story too. Uh, he must have seen something. I've known this guy for a while, um, and he must have seen something I put on Facebook. And he called me up and he was like, "Mick, I don't know what coaching is. I don't know what you do, but like, can you help me out with this? Uh, you know." So I he, I let him take me to lunch and we go over the numbers and and we talk about all this stuff. But at the end of the day, like, and and you know, he'd be he'd be okay with me sharing this. And he was scared. He didn't know, he didn't, he, he was scared. He didn't know if he could handle it. Like you said, he didn't, he, he probably thought he was going to have to work, you know, 10 times harder. So not only, not only did it, does it help business owners create these new possibilities uh, for what's possible to create by way of results. Um, it's, it's creating opportunities for people to become better leaders and leverage their team more so that they can actually build more and grow more without having to do everything all on their own. Yeah. I really, I really key on that one piece that you said too, you know, cause, cause it sounds like this is something you really learned. Like, you know, it sounds like, you know, before all the, the crazy stuff happened, you know, when you were afraid, you just worked harder or worked around it, you know, like, yep. or, or in the face of it, you know, and, 
And the thing that I heard is like, and this is, I think, so common with a lot of business leaders, like, you know, one, we, we forget that, you know, it's normal to be scared yeah, <laughs> and that it's okay. And that, you know, if we get, get support or we, you know, consider that it's okay to be scared or get supported or be vulnerable, like that opens up a possibility. Right. And it sounds like, you know, for him, you know, if he didn't, if he didn't reach out, if he didn't talk to you, he, it sounds like he would have either passed up the opportunity. Yep. Uh, because it was too big or taking it on and probably there would have been a detriment to the rest of life. Right. Cause if you take on more money, then that means you got to work harder. Totally. Yeah. So what, totally. what happened? So did you end up working with this guy and what happened? Yeah. So, so I ended up working with this guy and that, you know, kind of leads to the other piece, right? It's not the work that we do is not just with the business owner. It, it's for the other key people in the organization other people who have leadership roles. So some of the things that we, uh, that I supported him with was onboarding a new kind of key employee. Um, you know, this was, he, he was the guy, he was running everything. He was the, he was the, the manager of all things, right. Until, uh, you know, we had to, we had to create some leadership at this auction. We had to create some leadership in the, the residential business so that he didn't have to have his, you know, hand spinning all the plates. Right. Um, so, uh, so I supported him with that. And, and of course you bring in somebody like that into your business, then there's relationship stuff. You know, you have to kind of create a culture where relationships thrive. So, you know, here I am like working with these blue collar folks talking about their relationship. And it's like, uh, it's like, it's so cool thinking, thinking about it right now, you know, and, and, and I think that, you know, many of us don't think about these things. So I get to, I get to work with these leaders and then they translate that conversation into the, the people that they're leading and, you know, it just, it makes a difference for everybody that touches the company. Yeah. Well, the, the really cool thing that I hear is it sounds like, um, you know, I mean, it's such a clear example where literally by him engaging with you, it created this opportunity to scale his business like very tangibly. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like, sounds like he took the contract, tripled his revenue. <laughs> yep. Um, and, you know, so I, I think that's really interesting. You know, I think that that's a great point. Like, you know, whether it's like, you know, a blue collar person in their career or a blue collar business owner, business leader, um, it sounds like there's a real impact to, um, to working through that, you know, with somebody with support, diving into that, like the things that we're afraid of and taking action aligned with the future that we want. Yeah. So I can really hear that connection to that business success. And I can hear how, you know, through your story, you really, you really took those lessons and then created a successful business. But that really, it sounds like to me, I mean, no matter what you've done in business, it sounds like it's always been successful. Um, so you knew how to do that part. And I'm guessing that you got something else from this, uh, from this whole experience, your life journey. Um, and what was that? Like, in addition to business success, because I feel like there are a lot of people out there, they got the business success, um, but they don't have the other part. Mm. So tell me about that. Yeah. Um, man, you know, one of the, the real, the real tragedy of the, the story that I, um, 
that we've been, you know, telling here is that, you know, when I, when I was so down on myself, when I was relating to myself as the biggest loser on the planet and, and I had all of the, the, you know, feelings that come with that. I mean, you got to think about the, the level of fear and the level of anxiety and stress and shame. You know, I was ashamed of myself and, um, all of that came out on my family. You know, I took it all out on them. You know, I, I, you thought I worked hard when I shared about, you know, hustling weed and, and, you know, doing the tile work. Well, well, after I lost everything, I worked even harder like that. You know, we've touched on that a couple of times. I, you know, that was my solution. Work harder, longer, faster, like, nose to the grindstone. I wasn't allowed to take a break. I would, I wouldn't go on vacation. I would send Tara and the kids away and I would stay home and keep working. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wasn't available. I wasn't around for them. And when I got, when I got super upset and, and triggered about something or, or pissed off, I would, I would yell, I would, um, you know, I would be taking it out on everybody else. Um, so the real gift of this, this, uh, you know, this coaching work and, and doing all the things we've been talking about here is that it, it transformed my relationship to my family. You know, the thing that I got in addition to, um, more success in business and, and rebuilding my life and starting to make, you know, really great money again was that I got my, I got my family back. Yeah, man. And I, I, I hear that cause it's like, um, you know, I think that that's kind of a common experience, right? Like, you know, whatever setbacks we have, um, and certainly when we're trying to do it all alone, um, and we're really hard on ourselves. And I think that that's pretty common. It's almost like, it's like a superpower for blue collar people because like they're committed to doing great work, you know, perfect work. Um, but the the downside of that is that we can be real jerks to ourselves, and when yeah. we're super mean to ourselves, and I mean that's a, the lightest way of putting it, as you describe it, you know, you are just a total asshole to yourself. Yeah, um, and, and the only thing, yeah, and the only thing that come out of that is that you're also going to be, you know, to maybe a lesser degree, that much of an asshole to everybody else, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, and this is this is the real you know, tragedy, I think of people not being treated well at work. And look, it's not only blue collar, blue collar is where, where I feel called to go and, and help people and make a difference. Right. But, you know, people, people are often, often have the experience of being overworked and undervalued, you know, and, and when you're, when you're, you know, you know, when you're kind of, you know, taking it in the ribs from your supervisor at work all day and you're feeling like you're busting your ass and you're like you said, you're doing this perfect work and you're, 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 you know, uh, you're building things that are beautiful and meaningful. And, um, and then you, you're, you're just getting, you're treated badly about that. You bring all that stuff home, you know, and this, uh, you know, so the, the real, gift in this is is helping people have a really positive experience at work and and a positive experience of their life and and it really is is proving to transform families 
Yeah, I love that. You know, it's kind of funny to me because, you know, I think your story is so perfect because it's like, um, you know, you, I think it's so classic that people create success in one area of life or they create success in business. And then you hear these stories all the time, right? Like then they're all the rest of life comes crashing down, mm. you know? And what I hear is that, you know, um, it's cool that you can relate to it as a blessing, you know, that you got taken to your knees at a young age and um, now have come to the other side where, you know, you've built it back in a better way where not only do you have uh, a really successful business, you're able to provide for your family, you have a sense of, of peace and financial stability, but, but you also have the rest of life that builds this foundation for true long long-term success and having it be sustainable and, and not just being successful at work, but living a really good life. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, being a model of that for my kids and my wife, you know, which is, which is the thing that I really always wanted, you know, and I, and, and I would say too, that, um, you know, that's what most people want, you know, everybody, everybody wants to have a financially successful life, but, you know, blue collar people are the best people in the world, man. They're like, they're so, they're so passionate. You know, they, they talk straight, they tell you like it is, you know, and they're m many of them, most of them are family people. You know, they, you know, they, they have spouses and kids and, and they go and bust their ass every day at work because they want to live a great life. They want to provide a great life for their family. You know, and when when they can't, just like me, they feel like shit about it. And um, you know, that's why that's why we do what we do. Yeah, yeah, I really hear that. And um, you know, I also hear like, um, you know, with that that high level of commitment to providing for the family and and you know, providing a good life. It's like, you know, kind of on the flip side of that, I think that sometimes you know, they can struggle, we can struggle with, you know, we want everything for others. Mm. Um, we want it perfect and kind of wrestling with, you know, that part of us that, you know, I think perfection is a fantasy, but, you know, wrestling with that part of us, like we're not enough. And it sounds like, um, you know, what you're bringing is the, is a new conversation for, for people. Like, how can we have it all? Yeah. Um, and I think with that, I want to ask you one, one last question, which is, you know, uh, you've created this, you're creating this beautiful forum, you know, you've really shared your story in a really powerful way today. And I, you know, as you think about the podcast, um, and what you most hope that your listeners get from, uh, listening to these stories, listening to your story and listening to other uh, inspiring blue collars, blue collar stories. What do you, what do you hope that they come away with? What do you most want them to get? Mm. I want to, I want them to get, it's possible for them to have this experience, you know, this, this really cool experience of life, you know, and that they're, um, they're no different. They're no different than me. They're no different than, you know, the boss at, of their company, you know, the, the guy that 
owns their business, who they they probably you know look up to in in some way, the the one who they may perceive has more than them, or maybe has it all. You know that they can have it all too, and that it's 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 not um, it's not a fantasy or a pipe dream. It's actually it's actually totally possible. It's normal. And, um, if they're willing to do some of this work that we're talking about here, that they can have it. It's like, it's in their reach, you know? So I want them to walk away inspired. I want them to walk away, um, being willing to open up just a little bit more, being willing to ask for some support and to really take on whatever it's going to take for them to, uh, to have all those things. Well, I think that's uh, such a uh, inspiring message, and I I really want to thank you for the opportunity to to hear your story, um, and to to interview and just listen to this extraordinary um, story of you know moving very swiftly toward your dreams and having a major setback. Um, and not just in the material, but like emotionally and mentally and spiritually to have to reinvent yourself and step into the greatest version of yourself. I just think it's such a, such a special story. And, um, I'm, I'm really grateful that there's someone like you that's, that's really championing, um, the gifts of, of all people and especially blue collar people who make our world beautiful, make our world run. Um, and are great people. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, I want to thank you for being the one to interview me for this story. I, I, you know, you already know this, but just for the listeners, you know, I asked, I asked Rodney to do this with us here today because he was that guy in that, uh, in that little restaurant a couple of years ago who, who really lit a fire under me to, to do this. So you need to know how integral you have been to to this whole this whole process and sincerely thank you for that very grateful thank you man it's our hope that this story makes a difference for another person if it helps one person we believe we've done our work consider telling a friend about this podcast you might just make a difference for them too Accomplishment Coaching, the world's finest coaches training program. I owe much of the man I am today to the work I've done and the relationships I've built in this community. For anybody out there who wants to start a career as a coach or enhance their skills as a coach, look no further. Transform your life and set yourself up to win in your coaching business at the same time. Find out more at accomplishmentcoaching.com.